I think a lot of people were like, oh, but like, where do I, which app do I need to be using? Life, baby, life is the best app for meeting people. But first, a word from our sponsors. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up to all the holiday hoes, the anum analers, the New Year resolutionists, and all the gangbang goalies out there? This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Ooh, that mic is hot. Hot. What's up? Welcome to the show. 2023, you killed my hopes and dreams. 2023 is the year that I wrote an article for Mashable.com, a fully edited, fully paid for article titled How to Throw a Gangbang. It was 2,426 words long. My editor goes to the editor-in-chief at Mashable, is like, hey, we want to publish this, and the EIC goes, ooh, could we use a different word than gangbang? And my editor sends me an email asking, hey, you know, is there something else we could say? And not wanting to be oppositionally defiant, as as I told I was growing up, I, I, I Google around. I see maybe there is another term for when a singular person wants to be the center of attention of multiple penetrators in a variety of holes. And there is none. There, there is no other word for gangbang but gangbang. If we want to fool the bots, I guess we can call it a bang gang, but it's still a gang bang. What about a what about a train? How about running train? That's a very that's in the same family as gang bang, but it's not a gang bang. Well, what about a kind of like a sex party where you're the solo star? That's a lot of words to describe a gang bang. And even then, there's other things that are not gangbangs that could be that. What I'm saying is you can only call how to throw a gang bang, how to throw a gang bang. The editor-in-chief was concerned a bit about like, well, we think that uh, gangbang might be misogynist and we think, oh, gangbang, it's, it, we, we really associate that with like gang rape. And this article has three different women and the wonderful male Zachary Zane representing that side of things. But this, has, this is an article with three women with whom I have bang ganged and they are all explaining why this is their fantasy, why they like it. Uh, this one woman who I, with whom, uh, Lissa, she said, I, this is a woman, 37, told me, I resent people who think no woman could want a gangbang. I attended her second ever one last December. And she did have another one since talking to me for this piece. She told me one perspective is you're getting fucked by a bunch of men and being degraded. The other perspective is you're all my sex toys and you're pleasuring me. And then she said, there's nothing more feminist than getting what you want. Despite all of that, the editor in chief, I'm Ashable just still kind of balked. And it was like six, seven months of back and forth and trying. And my editor is telling me she's wonderful. Rachel Thompson, shout out. She keeps saying, look, I'm fighting for you. I am fighting for your gangbang article. And ultimately it was killed dead DOA. Mashable was so afraid to put gangbang in a headline that they not only took the time to fully edit it, but they also fully paid me for, they paid me and they said, go ahead and try to sell it elsewhere. We don't mind. No one else wanted to touch it. So we'll see. 
I, I, you will hear or read these 2,400 words at some point. Cause I'm, I'm like almost the most proud of any article I've written than this one. So, hey, everybody, how you doing? Welcome to the pod. Can I remind you that the Naked Comedy Show is returning to the Hacienda on January 26th? We'll be doing eight and 10 o'clock shows, killer lineups. Tickets are going on sale, I think, next week. So keep your eyes open. Make sure you're on my mailing list. Look out on my social media. Uh, And you can also see my other clothed comedy dates that are coming up uh, down in the schnotes of this episode. Do I tell you what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I, I recorded with the delicious, the wonderful, the beautiful... The sadistic Dorian Dreadful, who is a a friend of mine, a burlesque performer, a dominatrix, and low-key, like a a big crush I have. And we did this awesome recording on Thursday. And about like halfway through, memory card filled up. I said, hold on a sec. I reach back. I grab a different memory card. I put it in. We keep going. It's all gold. Gold. Then we did a bonus episode, also gold. In that bonus episode, like they confirmed that yes, I can take them out on a date. I had that like recorded as evidence. And then when I went to go put the files onto my computer, poof, no longer there. It was as if they never happened. I mean, the first one on the original memory card, totally fine. This other memory card, I think it's the same memory card that robbed me of this beautiful, vulnerable. I shared some things about myself I'm honestly not prepared to tell you anymore with uh, Serena Danyari, who came back on the pod. I think this is the same memory card that evaporated her recording. So that's in the trash with much of 2023. But because of the timing and the holidays, I mean, there's no one, no one really around to do a thing. And so we're doing a solo episode. I, uh, I hope you'll enjoy. I opened up the Ask the Guest channel for uh, questions for this week's episode with yours truly. First question that comes in we've got here says, how did you start to explore kinky shit? Well, you know, I I, I went to, to college here at New York University in the city. And back when I was there from 2007 to 2011, New York City had a very vibrant, active Craigslist scene. There were some bots, but a lot of times you just, it was back in the days when a bot was really just a real human being who tricked you into clicking her cam site link, right? Just just real one-to-one direct spam marketing. I miss those days. But, um, but, But there were a lot of real people on Craigslist, Casual Encounters, RIP, uh, when I was here, uh, for, for college. And, I was in a monogamous relationship my freshman year at NYU with a woman who was in tough. She was from my hometown. We did the long distance thing. I did monogamy. Watch out. I did it. I did it for like a year. I was great, I think. There's a little bit of gray area. It's like, okay, well, like if you're flirting with and trading pictures with someone on the internet that you don't know, who you never met in person, and you're never going to meet up with, is that cheating? I don't know. I, I think that's really more pornography, but that's a discussion for later. How did I start exploring kinky shit is when, um, when I came back for school my sophomore year, I decided I really wanted to experiment and figure out what I'm into, what I like, what I don't like. Let's give it a try. 
And so I started answering ads on Craigslist. And I would answer a lot of F for M ads, but again, a lot of those ended up just being sex workers trying to get new clients. I very quick quickly realized that if I was open to another penis being in the room, that uh, there are more ads I can answer, right? This is like slutty math. And then I started answering ads for threesomes, ads to watch couples, ads for bang gangs and a, a variety of bukkakis and public encounters. So I just started trying shit out that way. So how did I start to explore kinky shit is I just started to do kinky shit. I never really got into BDSM. And I remember Mistress J, episode two, a, a fan favorite. She was the first person I tried to do a, a proper kinky BDSM scene with, right? We went and got drinks and I wanted to be submissive. And then we went back to her place and found out that I am not a good sub. I'm not. She, I was kneeling on a wooden floor and I wasn't complaining, but she would ask a question like, do you need like a pillow for your knees? And being the autist that I am, I go like, oh, she asked if I need a pillow for my knees and my knees do hurt on this wood floor. I wasn't going to say anything, but if you're offering, yeah, sure. I'll happily be more comfortable. And so I would say yes. And she'd almost be like upset, like, okay, make me more comfortable. And, uh. It's not bad that I was I was exerting my boundaries, but we just found out that my boundaries might not have been super conducive to BDSM. Even today, you know, I mean, like, I mean, not today, but like a, a few years ago, I think 2021, a woman I was I was starting to hook up with and fist, she asked if I wanted would be interested in peeing on her. So I tried it. Because I just think that like we figure out what we're into by oftentimes doing it. Turns out I'm not like super into water sports, but I'm not like turned off by it. So it's like a neutral. It's a thing I can do. It's a thing I can offer. Great. I think the way to start exploring shit is to do shit and to try shit or try like lesser versions of shit just to see if you might be into that shit. Uh, when, when couples are asking about doing nog monogamy, I say, well, why don't you start with seeing if you can handle seeing them make out with somebody else? Because I don't think seeing them make out with someone else has to end the relationship. But if you can't handle that, then you definitely can't handle them getting butt fucked by another man. I don't know. So that's how I started exploring Craigslist, baby. And occasionally asking for you know what I wanted to try. Except for a finger up the butt. I think finger up the butt. I think she just did on her own sophomore year. Very long fingernail. And uh, I learned that I like that, not with those fingernails, but I like that. Next question that came in was, uh, how are you meeting the people you're still hooking up with? And I hate to break it to you whoreheads, but I'm not really, to be honest, hooking up with almost anyone. People who listen to every episode, I mean, you're you're probably well aware that of like my libido situation and, and what's been going on with me since my breakup with Wallet Note Lady last year. I know I said last year, I got to get over it, but I'm not. I think a combination of the breakup and and smoking weed every day earlier this year uh, really took a tank on my libido and my desire and my drive. And I started gaining weight. And I think that took a toll on my drive and gaining weight in my body image, you know, didn't make me feel very sexy and not feeling sexy takes a toll on my drive. I had like multiple sex partners. I like, you know, I had a lot of like regular sex friends. 
overlapping this year. I just, I started kind of not wanting to. I mean, I wanted to hang out. I wanted friends. But I've like de-escalated things or faded away from things or some things have formally ended because they ended it with me. And actually right now I'm kind of left with, I'm not really hooking up with anyone. But how I've been meeting people I have enjoyed some sexy times with, it's been mostly in person. Uh, like, like let, let's look at who I've been meeting the last six months. Let's just let's just go through and, and see. Um, I met a few women at play parties, but I, you know, I, you know, we'd fool around, we'd make out, but I haven't really tried to link up outside of Hacienda. Again, nothing necessarily against them, just more I wasn't feeling the drive to do so. But that's still in person. Interestingly enough, I I have hooked up with a couple of women through the naked comedy show. Not to encourage anyone to hang around while I'm trying to clean up, but like, so yeah, like that was unexpected. But again, in person, um, I say all that and I say, oh, well, I haven't really been very active. Fuck me. Uh, I I've, I don't know. Let's see what else. I've, I briefly fooled around with a friend of mine who pretty instantly fell asleep with my fingers inside of her. I've told that story before. She says she's been down the fool around again, but again, the drive isn't really there. I haven't, I haven't really like booty called her very much, even though that's something she's opened the door to. Uh, let's see who else I, I mentioned. Um, the bisexual married woman who's coming over tonight. I met her at a speed dating event. I met her at a speed dating event. I wasn't even part. I was hosting the speed dating event. She like separators. There were oh my god. There were like literally twice as many men as women. And I don't know if you've ever been speed dating, but, it, you know, I think the way I run it is it's like you get three minutes and people complain that they need more than three minutes. But I got to be honest, if the date is bad, three minutes is a fucking eternity. And if it's not long enough, great. Then, like, you know, you want to go see them again. Uh, and this woman just like was tired of that many men. And so she like went to the bar uh, to talk to like me and a friend of mine while I'm like keeping time. And then one thing leads to another, and like it turns out I was more charming than the other men at this event. And so like I was the one who got to meet up with her later. Again, in person. Even when it, I didn't meet someone naturally, there's uh I, I got I had I got set up for the first time a few weeks ago, like maybe almost a month ago. And again, is you know, she's she's nice nice enough, she's funny, she's boisterous. Um I just didn't really like feel it. We like we fooled around low key because she kind of trapped me in her in her bedroom. I'm sure if I said I didn't want to, she would have let me out. I don't think I was like held against my will. I just didn't realize she was trying to like make out with me until uh, she was giving me a tour of her apartment at the end of the date. And then she has like an outdoor space. So we go out to check out the outdoor space. And then when we come back in, as I'm like, we're walking towards her door, but instead she closed her door, turned around and started to take my coat off. And I said, Oh, okay. So that's happening. Nice enough. But it it felt like I was going through the motions. And then, you know, then, then there was a, yes, I went to a glory hole last month that was through Reddit, but generally speaking, like most of the people I've been meeting up with or or fooling around with have just been like kind of in-person connections, happenstance when I'm not even really looking for it. So, you know, I mean, look, like, like most things when when I'm looking for it, it doesn't usually show up. and, And the most exciting sex I've experienced this year came about when I wasn't seeking it out in the first place and a natural connection happened. I, um, you know, there, there's someone I hooked up with back in February through work, we'll say, and 
She was visiting New York City for like a couple of nights. We've made plans to meet up as friends because she's been really clear. Hey, Billy, look, I'm looking for something monogamous and I'm looking for like a serious relationship. I was like, okay, you know, we don't have to hook up, but do you want like we're still friendly, you know, through Instagram. And then when she was coming to town, I said, do you want to like hang out platonically? She said, sure. So I said, let's go to this burlesque show. I haven't been to the slipper room uh, for a proper show before. And we go to the slipper room and it was really fun. And um, but then she was being all touchy feeling, doing points of contact and put her head on my shoulder. And I'm just going, I sincerely meant platonically. But also, you know that I think you're a babe. If you want to fool around, we'll fool around. By the end of the night, we're making out outside the subway while ordering an Uber back to her hotel room. I was not seeking it out. The chemistry was naturally there. That was one of the most, one of the more exciting um, sexual nights I had this year, or at least in the last like six months. I'm not saying like connected sex is better sex. I'm just saying connected sex is better sex for me right now in the phase that I'm in. I think a lot of people were like, oh, but like, where do I, which app do I need to be using? Life, baby, life is the best app for meeting people. This person also asked me, uh, you've mentioned being off the apps, what led to that decision. And that had more to do with, um, you know, after the breakup with Wallet Note Lady, I'd open an app to swipe and I'm like, I don't really wanna. And then when I did start swiping again, I really only wanted some casual, meaningless sex. And, I don't think I'm the guy you swipe right on when you want casual, meaningless sex. I think I'm the guy on you could have casual sex with who's also going to like treat you nice and cuddle and like flirt with you over text. I'm a very boyfriendy fuck buddy, which was kind of a problem, like kind of the problem 10 plus years ago when I, I started having the the problems that led to this podcast which was women would sleep with me, but they wouldn't date me. And I felt like there were a lot of women who thought they could get like the boyfriendy benefits without having to offer girlfriendy obligations. So I, I offer a lot of like intimacy, cuddly hookup vibes. But I don't think I'm the yo, want to grab a drink and fuck tonight, possibly swipe right guy. And so, and the, and also I don't pay for the apps. So I think, and I, in recent years, I've noticed that like Tinder and either I've gone uglier, which is always possible, or I am just sincerely being de-boosted on there because I don't pay for it and whatever. And then when I started wanting like intimacy and connection back in my life again, just, I, I don't, I just don't really want to go on like a hundred first date interviews. I don't feel like doing all the swiping work right now. So that's why I'm not on the apps because I don't think what I could want is going to be there for me. And I don't think what I ultimately want is something I'm ready to do that way. Right now, I think I need to do a lot of work on me. I need to work on my body, work on my career. And if, you know, if love or connection comes my way, I'm down. But I don't think right now is the time when like I need to do a bunch of swipes um, I say that maybe three weeks before maybe Hinge hits me up and they want to do a partnership and I gotta go. I gotta go swiping again. Uh, I will eat these words, but for I, but for now, that's why I'm not on the apps because like I don't. I'm good. All right, I did. I did a lot of sex and a lot of dating for the last fifteen years, and I'm I'm catching my breath. I'm catching my breath. 
Uh, let's see. This other, uh, this next question says, "What are your major turn-ons, and how have those changed over time?" That's a good question. My, oh gosh, the porn I'll take in has changed over time. I definitely go through phases of the types of porn I'm watching. I like when I was in high school, I was like all about hypno, like um. Not hypno me, but like hypnosis themed stories. I was also reading a lot more porn than I watched. This is this is a different era. This was back when um, you know you were downloading all your porn off a of Napster and you would type in big boobs and you you would click a bunch of things and whichever files finished downloading like that was your porn library. It was easier for me to access Literotica. Like Literotica.com was very active back then. So I was really into that. Um, I seem to have like really been into like incest storyline porn. Um, and I went through a very long phase, I think, of that stuff. That's like when I originally came across Kay Parker, my love, RIP to a queen. And then, um, but there's also, I like, for some reason, I was really into like hypno Literotica. Whether it was like just hypnosis, um, someone put something in the water and now everyone in the town is fucking each other. Or sometimes it was kind of like mind control incest storylines uh, back in the day. There was a website called mcstories.com for mindcontrolstories.com. And then you go to the website and there were all these subcategories of mind control stories. And that was a phase of mine for like, I don't know, a good six, seven years, maybe a decade. Uh, and, you know, and then it, it just it kind of goes in and out. Just, you know, so then I'm into um, like clothed female nude male stuff. And then like the public stuff starts to become hot. So what I'm watching tends to like the turn ons in terms of porn that definitely evolves over time right now, like gooning porn seems to be taking over me porn that kind of goes in and out over time but you know honestly the my major turn on i don't think has really ever changed chemistry connection intimacy oh i am so turned on by intimacy jesus i'm so turned on by intimacy that there was a woman i was seeing for like like eight ish months end of last year and earlier this year and when she was having there was a good period of time we kind of stopped fucking but it was very connected and we were both like like i was smoking a lot of pot and she was on a downturn with her mental health so she wasn't super horny but when she was having a hard time when she was struggling she'd come over and we'd be on the couch and you know maybe she'd start crying a bit and i'd be holding her and taking care of her then i would be like i'd have to say i am i apologize for how rock hard I am right now. I would get so, I, w I wasn't then trying to fuck her. I just, my body was physically aroused by the fact that I was taking care of a pretty person. Mm, love that. So my turn ons, you know, what I, what I watch in terms of porn, that waxes and wanes over time. That changes and evolves and switches around, but intimacy has been like kind of the constant turn on for me this is definitely a very year in reviewish question one man asked uh what are your favorites from this year uh, and then he goes like books tv show film music so books i did not read almost anything this year it was really bad 
I used to be a huge reader, and just that is boop, 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 boop. I, I blame the fact that I no longer have a bathtub. During COVID even, I would do so much of my reading in a bathtub. Mm, love a tub and a joint and a candle and 45 to 90 minutes of literature. TV shows. Oh my gosh, TV shows. Did a lot of that. Maybe that's why like, I have not you know, published a book yet is because I was watching too many TV shows. But this year, I'll say Loki, Loki season two, everybody. Wow. Like just the things that this makes you think, this show makes you think about life and purpose and destiny. Am, am I destined to be a loser? Am I destined to, to not win? Am I destined to be an asshole? What am I? And then when finally someone is able to kind of take hold of their fate and change it. And then Loki on Disney Plus. You don't even really have to be into the Marvel Universe. I think you can appreciate Loki season one and two as is. And the way they ended season two is just, I mean, cinematically just beautiful. I've watched the ending, maybe the last whatever many minutes of 12 minutes of season two finale of Loki a few times. Visually stunning and hard not to shed a tear. Uh, Ted Lasso, that's the that's the positivity show that I think we all need in our lives. I know a lot of people had some flack to give season three, but maybe you just need to chill the fuck out and laugh more. Yeah, all these other characters got a little bit of storyline. How dare they? Loved it. And then Yellow Jackets is... Oh, love Yellow Jackets. Season two. Did it stumble a few times? That's fine. We'll see what they do with three. But like, I gotta know, how did these girls escape the wilderness? Who else did they eat? I love, love, love Yellow Jackets. Films. Uh, you know, 2023 films, I did not stay too up to date on this year's releases. I really, you know, I kind of spent a lot of the time watching movies that um, are comfortable and safe and that I know and love, or trying out movies that are just older that I've just never gotten around to. So I didn't, you know, but I'll say um, Saltburn. I just watched it and it was. Fucked up and awesome. That creepy little fuck Barry, whatever his Irish last name is. That kid, I normally hate seeing him in a movie. Normally because he, he's in a Yorgos Lanthimore movie. And if I see that fucking creepy guy, I go, I don't think I'm going to like this. Yeah, he's in Banshees of Inishirin and that's all good. But I mean, normally he's a sign that I'm going to hate this thing. Killing of a Sacred Deer, kill me. I don't want to watch it anymore. But he he stars in this movie Saltburn, and I don't even really want to describe it because I don't want to give anything away. But other than that, there is a kid, and he befriends a very very rich kid at Oxford, and that rich kid invites him to his like massive estate somewhere in England, and uh, and and for the summer, and things ensue. It's it's also very sexually uncomfortable. I was out loud saying no 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 don't do that don't do that don't do that don't do no please don't don't no 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 oh 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 no like a lot and and then just when you think you've already hit the climax and like this movie's done i think it's just this movie has the longest denouement in the history of denouements 
or I don't know if it's pronounced denouement nigh. I don't know if that's the plural. Uh, Saltburn, it's on Amazon Prime and in theaters. There's also a documentary, Great Photo, Lovely Life. I think that was HBO. And that was also mind-blowing. This woman, she basically like, not basically, she confronts her child-molesting grandfather who did not molest her, molested her sister and touched her, her mother. But... He also like molested these like other women like in town and she like goes to war basically on her grandfather who's just old and he's just kind of like, yeah, I touched some kids, but like it wasn't a big deal. And she just, it was, it's, but it's a, it's a great documentary. It's pretty wild, but I just really didn't watch new things too much this year. Uh, so don't say, don't email me saying what the fuck you didn't enjoy. I didn't see it. Okay. I didn't get there yet. I didn't see bottoms. I will, but I have not seen bottoms yet. I didn't finish Barbie. I haven't, I have to finish the last 25 minutes. I got tired. I'm getting old. I'm sure they're all brilliant. I've just been rewatching JFK Chinatown and the Irishman a lot. Music. I'm not a big music guy. I did a lot of Dropkick Murphys this year, according to my Spotify Unwrapped. Um, I think it's because they can sing a sad song at a fast tempo. So I'm like bumping hard up and down in my Toyota in full tears. But I can't slow down because I got to keep the beat. You'll never walk alone. It's like there's no time to cry in the songs. And I love that. Uh, but I don't really keep up with new stuff. I, I just figured out who Lawrence was because of TikTok this year. Uh, he also has for podcasts. I finally started listening to the Tim Dillon show this year. I think I, 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 I think it's because I know he's not being sincere when he says horrific shit. And it's because I know he's a comedian and he's a comedian I used to see around in New York and whose friends I know and whose friends I respect and they know and respect him. And like, also, I think you listen to Tim Dillon and you never think he's a gay man. And then all of a sudden he like reminds you that he, he, he likes penis. And then you go, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting voice and opinion for that. And, but he's just, he's fucking so funny. Cause he just, you know, it's a fuck. It's a, it's a release to hear what he says. Meanwhile, I have one new joke I wrote recently with the word, please cover your ears retarded in it and it's i say it with a purpose and i'm nervous but i'm nervous to tell it in brooklyn and tim dylan has like a body count of r words like throughout his podcast and i'm dying tim's just really fucking funny i understand why he makes millions of dollars on patreon if i say retarded more will y'all cough up the two bucks on my patreon i'm kidding i'm kidding it's a joke the Tim Dillon show very much enjoy another listener asked, uh, we're heading into a big election year. Which candidates are you looking out for? Fun question. Great question. It, it properly placed. If you're with me, you're with me. If you were going to be gone, you're probably gone by now. Who am I looking out for in, in the election this year? Uh, Joe Biden, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see if he dies before the election. Cause I do have him in my celebrity death pool. I'm being strategic. I don't want him to die. I just necess strategically necessary for him to be on my. I look, I've also got Mitch McConnell and Richard Shelby too. It's okay. Relax. And yes, and Donald, any of them could die of old age any minute. I'm just trying. I'm just here to win. Uh, I am looking at, uh, I mean, not looking at like for my personal preference. Like I'm not, 
I'm not looking at him to vote. I'm just, I'm looking at him as in, I'm looking at Chris Christie, my former two-term New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, because he's, he's actually saying the thing about Donald Trump. He's not pulling punches about it. He's not just criticizing Trump on, say, policy. I mean, he's he's making sure people are reminded that the dude still won't admit that he lost the election. He's my Andrew Yang this time around. In 2020, I want Andrew Yang to be on the debate stage for as long as possible so he could talk about UBI, universal basic income, because I think someone needs to, just like I think Bernie Sanders was talking about um, universal health care in 2016. I want Yang to be up there talking about UBI because the robots are coming. They're, they're here and they're already taking jobs and we need a plan. I don't know what the capitalists think we're going to do when people don't get to work because we decided to cut costs with robots. With what money are people going to buy your shit? So this time around, it's Chris Christie just reminding us that like the dude fucking did something a few years ago. Do, do we all remember? I'm not going to let anyone forget. Plus, he's not on any, he's not, he's not like running on any sort of socially conservative crusade. He's a fucking nerd. Chris Christie is a nerd. He wants to balance a budget and he wants his daughter to get an abortion when a black guy knocks her up. New Jersey is full of Chris Christie's who want to lower taxes and get paid off by their rich friends and get high cholesterol. That's that's what my I say Tim Dillon's name out loud once. And now I just want to be offensive. Jesus. So I know I'm looking at him and then I'm looking at Nikki Haley because she scares me. She scares me because. She will beat Joe Biden. I do not like this. I do not like this at all. You do not have to like Joe Biden. You can say what you want about Joe Biden and genocide and whatever. Joe Biden literally on paper is the most progressive president since at least LBJ, if not FDR. Just literally his policies that he's more progressive on paper than Barack Obama. Just that's just a fact. You can't really debate it. His policies, right? Whatever. I don't want, there's no Republican nominee that I would want more than Joe Biden. There are just Republican nominees that are less worse than others. But Nikki Haley scares me because I don't know if she'll win the nomination, but she can beat Joe pretty easily. Although the only way you're going to get Hillary Clinton to kill herself is if Nikki Haley gets to literally do the celebration where she breaks the glass ceiling. Yeah, Hillary's not going to take that too well. Uh, Nikki scares me. Her answer on abortion was this perfect in-between that I think a lot of anti-Trump Republican women and independent and even some Democratic women can look at it and say, eh, you know, that's good enough for now. If, if you, I've, I hurt myself and I watched the Republican primary uh, debates. And when she was finally pushed on abortion, when they all were, and she gave... I think a great political answer of she clearly is not for an, a nationwide abortion ban, but she just kind of more ran on this whole, look, it doesn't matter what my ab abortion stance is because no president can do anything about abortion, which is more or less true. You need 60 votes in the Senate. And neither party is looking like they're going to get 60 votes in the Senate in 2024 or 2028, probably not even 2032. It's just, it's not happening. So where the president of the United States is, 
nothing's really going to happen there. So she just kind of went with, look, I'm not going to try to pull shit. And honestly, no me, no one on this stage, nor Joe Biden, nor Donald Trump can do anything about abortion. So let's stop arguing about it. Let's come together as a country and only fight about abortion at Thanksgiving with our families. Let's come together as a country, but continue to split apart as families. That's her position. And then, you know, as, you know, cisgender, straight-ish white women, unless they're, they want to have a hot threesome with their husband, as they nod their heads, she then starts to talk about transgender people and queer kids. And the way she talks about them scares the fuck out of me. Every time she gets a chance, and, and I'm not twisting her words, the question won't even be about this issue, but she will find a way to say the sentence, men in women's sports is the most important women's issue of our day. Name five WNBA teams right now. I fucking dare you. I am sure I have listeners who are iffy on like trans people with sports. And when they say trans people in sports, they only seem to mean trans women in sports because they never talk about trans men who take literal testosterone. They're never worried about them in sports, but they are worried about the penises being in the girls' locker room. They are worried about that. And they go, oh, women's sports. Name five WNBA teams right now. I can't even do it. And I've been accused of being a feminist on many occasions, and I can't even name five W. You got the Liberty, I think the Aces, the Sparks, I think there's a Mystic, and I know Phoenix has a team, but I don't know their name. See? Name five WNB teams right now or stop saying you care about women's sports she's also got some funky views on school choice. And I'm just kind of worried that people will be tricked into thinking she's reasonable because of her answer on abortion, but she's still a Trumpy Republican white ish woman. I'm also keeping my eyes on Josh Shapiro. Cause if Biden legit dies during this election cycle, that's a dude. I think you could just plug right in there, right? You can just plug him in. That guy got a multi-month emergency highway construction job done in 12 days. I come from a construction family. That was wild. Dumb Americans can get down with that. They look at the broken highway and they say 12 days later, look, the highway's working again. And Ameri dumb ones can go, oh, that seems like a great, efficient governor. I mean, it should be Gretchen Whitmer, but, you know, we hate women around here. So Josh Shapiro, who I also look at. One fan whore asks, who are your favorite people to interview overall? How hard is it to get people to interview? My, uh, my, my favorite people to interview by far are my exes. Ex-girlfriends, ex-lovers, ex-hookups, ex-girlfriends who almost were but weren't. I think I put some of my best work out with Elle. I love those episodes. I think they're the easiest for us to get into this like intimate connected level because remember, we once had chemistry enough to make our tongues touch or to stroke something. So a lot of times we can kind of just like pick that back up. It's great. And then my second favorite type of guest uh, to interview are guests who want to kiss me. Those are great because then it kind of feels like a flirty date and I didn't initiate it. I'm not the one being inappropriate, but like, yes, if you want to make out when we turn the mics off, like I'm not going to totally stop you. Uh, this person also asked, while you are interviewing, are you taking notes? 
on items to get back to, or are you winging it? I always like how you bring people back around to a topic or question. Yeah, uh, sometimes I take notes, ADD brain. Sometimes I want to make sure we like come back around. Yeah, like you said. So sometimes, or sometimes I'll mention something, and I and I know I want to be able to pivot to that. Uh, so I, I don't take a lot of notes. Sometimes I take no notes, but uh, I, I will jot things down if I know, like, ooh, you know, if we have time, or or, or if we kind of complete this arc, maybe this is something we can go off to. But yeah, so yeah. But I, I also don't want to be writing too much because I want to stay connected with the guests. I don't want them to think I'm not listening because I'm writing. So. Uh, who do you really want to get on the podcast 2024 speak them into existence obviously the love of my life Susan Sarandon if anyone knows her by the way if I if I say any names and you know someone who knows someone who knows a one of these people or knows their rep please get in touch with me is no longer time to be shy about your connections it's 2024 it's put up or shut up time it's time to make some things happen but Susan Sarandon uh, Maitland Ward, we've been working on for a few years now. She was in Boy Meets World, but now she's like a big time porn star. Still working on that. Brian Gross, are you listening? Let's make Maitland happen. Come on, man. Uh, big Daddy Dan Savage. I, I got into this podcast before I even thought I would have non exes on the show. I knew I wanted Dan Savage. I want, I want, when I started the podcast, I thought when it, as it started to grow initially, I thought I want to meet Dan Savage. I don't know if it's, I'm on his podcast. Ideally he's on mine. Maybe it's both. Maybe we're best friends now. Maybe we text here and there. Uh, but I, I mean, that man changed my life being exposed to Dan Savage when I was, I think 21 years old changed so much and he's been like this example for me as like a public figure person who sometimes has controversial opinions you could you know i've literally listened to every single episode in its entirety when i hear people say he's blankist he's blank phobic i i always think i think you heard a clip i don't think you've like regularly listened because that man has routinely said things like i used to think this i now think this or he'll make a, a take in one episode and one or two weeks later, he will play feedback clips from listeners who are disagreeing with him. He will invite people to disagree with him and he won't play the clip and then say, well, that person's fucking stupid. No, he just lets it sit there. He appreciates the feedback. He's He has the audacity to want to grow and change and evolve. He knows he's not perfect. And uh, as someone who is also imperfect, I strive to be so open. Mark Marin is another one. He's, he's also a guy who I think presents an example of how to be as a man, how to be open-minded and be open to change and be open to being wrong and then maybe being right later on. Uh, what he's been through with the loss of his partner, Lynn Shelton, back in 2020 and the vulnerability he has shown as a guy and the way he talked about his friendship with Louis CK. I mean, all Mark Marin I <laughs> is kind of one of the people I'd say that's an example of how to be a half decent, but angry Jewish man. <laughs> he's um, so he's, I mean, the, the way I even do this podcast, the style in which I do it outside of this one where I'm, talking with nobody but myself this is supremely uncomfortable mind you 
not having somebody to bounce off of and having no live feedback, I'm getting through it, okay? But the way I do what I do, having connected conversations rather than an interview with like 11 questions about butt stuff, that's just Mark, man. That's that's what he does and that's what I do. And I, you know, I, I just, I'm trying to do it maybe half as good as he does. So I'd love to interview Mark. Um, and then another one I would say would be Jim Norton because that man made a great career of being a publicly sexually deviant. He was talking about hooking up with trans women long before. Did he use certain words? Was he making certain jokes? Yeah, but they were always jokes. And he was always in support of those people in the first place. He will still publicly stand up for them. He's spoken up about sex workers on many occasions. I mean, that man, you know, so I also we have both gotten hand jobs from the same happy ending massage chick, Busty Blonde Jody. Would love to ask him if he remembers her. So <laughs> Jim Norton's another. And then I, you know, I could say other names that seem obvious. I could say RuPaul, Hannah Gadsby, Gerard Carmichael. I could name big names who make sense. And but then, yeah, then there's like people I'm supremely. Uh, curious about. Oh, and then I would say um, Rosie O'Donnell because I was on the Rosie O'Donnell show when I was a child twice. I was a guest and my mom used to always like allude. My mom's like very ADD blurty and she she just things go into her head and she has to externalize it uh, to anyone and sometimes she realizes it's it's maybe inappropriate so she'll kind of like half say it and then and then the second half will be her acknowledging something was inappropriate, but making sure you heard that like she wanted to say something that she's not technically saying, but is still saying it. So her allusions to Tom Cruise being kind of a beard crush for Rosie because she was secretly a lesbian. I have like some sort of uh, sentimental attachment to Rosie. So I don't know. Those are those are some names. I would also love to talk to like a major professional athlete, maybe an NFL star, and talk about what it's like to have a relationship both with their their grueling uh, but tight schedule and then but also just you know being in the public eye. So we can have hopes, we can have dreams. Personal ones, like people from my personal life I want to have on the show. Uh Megan, aka Miss Giggles. I've not asked her yet, but I believe with the 10-year anniversary coming up it's going to be time to at least ask her i don't know if she's going to do the show but it's going to be time to ask her soon i don't remember what we called her what like the fake name i gave her many years ago was but there's a woman who i dated off and on for like a year and a half would not get dinner with me i reached out she said i got your email i'm going to respond and then she just never did i think i'm gonna have to poke her again in the new year because i'd love to to reconnect uh page i pay page is an obvious one Paige is one of the big, the big time exes, one of the biggest, arguably. Um, and I wonder how she's doing. There is a woman, S, who inspired the show. I'm just going to call her S because we had this like huge flame, big spark, a couple of dates, mutual acknowledgement that this is intense. This is real. When I get back from visiting my family upstate, we're going to, well, not only are we going to fuck, but we're going to, mm, I think we're going to love and, um, then she, I get a text like, hey, you know, I reconnected with my ex-boyfriend up there and we're going to give it another shot. Now, why'd she inspire the show? Because, well, when I went on those couple of dates, I told my my psychoanalyst at the time, wow, this woman, I think this is the real deal. I think finally I'm going to I'm going to have a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'll do that. I'll do that podcast that I've uh, I've kind of alluded to that idea I had. 
I get that text. I go back to therapy. I tell her what happens. The first thing out of Dr. Webster's mouth was, so you're going to do the podcast. Damn it. And here I am 10 years later. Um, I also, there's a couple comedians uh, who I've now hooked up with, but they were like buddies, close friend. One was like a really close friend. And then the other one would keep verbally saying that we're close friends, but his actions never really matched it. He's also become this like very, very big comedian. So I'm just going to say his name is Alex and I'm not going to say anything else. We were at NYU together and he like tip the most LA energy of saying something is a, an important friendship or relationship and then kind of poof gone poof what no 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 we're still tight no let's do let's do coffee and then poof bye and then there's other guy nick who i think should be more famous than he is he's so incredibly talented he's hysterical great bone jaw structure um and we were like very like i my experience was like intimately close friends and then he kind of disappeared and that sucked i don't know what happened and then it turns out that like his niece and my niece live down the street from each other and are best friends i see his niece and my sister's instagram story all the time my sister has seen this guy nick more than me and yet somehow i so I'd love to know why we didn't work out as friends. And then, of course, I'd like to have on my grade school bully, Alex Bass. If anyone knows Alex, you know, put us in touch. Hey, quick fan whore appreciation moment. I want to give a shout out and a thank you to fam Lynn. I hope you found the community that you needed in the champagne room. We have been happy to have you, and I hope you will be back soon. Thank you for adding what you did to the server, and thank you for supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. You too can become a member, support the pod for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash Podcast. Now, you can't find me on the app because I'm adult content. You got to do it on desktop first. Then you can, you can follow me on the app. Next question. What concerns you the most about being an independent content creator and influencer? Money. Money. Um, I have other like creative concerns, but I'm always having to focus on the money part to like afford to live here and survive. Money. And I think I've offered a lot of avenues by which you can support an indie content creator. You can shop at my bookshop.org link, my Venmo cash app are in the handles. You can buy me stuff on my Amazon wish list, And my Patreon is just $2. That's the minimum pledge is $2. I'm not a big spender. I don't think I'm asking you to support a lavish lifestyle. I think my biggest personal spend that I do each year is, is I put like a couple grand on my credit card for two season tickets to the New York Jets. I, I, I don't buy fancy clothes. I don't play video games. I don't, you know, I don't eat out at all these like nice restaurants. I'm like a pretty low thrift guy. I do like to go to a Jets game. And then like half of that, by the way, like I end up, you know, cause I'll bring a friend, but they give me money for it. Or sometimes I sell my tickets. So, you know, I really, I don't, I don't spend very much on that at, at the end of the day. Mon- money is, is the biggest concern. Um, 
and then it's censorship. I would say censorship is a big one. Um, you know, like Patreon has just reflagged me as adult content. And I said, well, I'm not doing se- something sexually explicit and I'm not showing nudity. And they said, yeah, but you're discussing mature themes. I was like, yeah, but every comedian, nearly every single comedian podcast discusses mature themes. But because like I talk about mature themes and I'm not hiding that I'm talking about mature themes, they flag me as adult content, which means that you can't find me in the Patreon app. And it means that I have to do, um, I have to submit more age verification documents and stuff that like I'd rather not. But if I want to get paid out um, on January 1st, I'm going to have to submit those documents, which I think I have to do tomorrow because it doesn't look like they're changing their mind. Everyone's freaking out about sex. Why, why am I being put in the same category as literal animated porn? I do not understand. But everyone's, you know, willing to give up a lot of their, you know, their their First Amendment protections under the uh, the ruse of protecting children. How about don't give your kids mini computers in their pockets with unfettered access to the internet? So my my concerns: money, censorship. I'm asked, do I have any plans for the 10-year podiversary? Uh, if you don't know, this podcast is going to celebrate 10 years in uh, mid-April. I've, re- I've released an episode every Wednesday. I've never missed a Wednesday. This one's coming out later than usual on Wednesday, but it's coming out on Wednesday. And it's a, I'm pretty proud of myself uh, you know, w- with April coming up. And I'm thinking about it, thinking about how do I want to celebrate. I don't have anything specifically planned. I would love to... <laughs> do some sort of listener engagement version of a, of a plan. Um, but you have all been pretty clear for the most part that sharing a man whore podcast is too socially risky for you. So I'm not going to ask you to, but um, I'm also just thinking about the future of the show. I'm thinking about the viability, um, where my passion is at, my financial situation like do i want to be professionally poor when i'm 38 it's it's kind of cute to be like oh i'm i'm sorry oh my god you have a you have a proper salaried income and health insurance and haha i'm just i'm just hustling hustle culture baby i'm just at 28 that's cute on a date on 38 a woman has to question what her future can be with a man like that unless she has in ordinary means or she's also doing the hustle culture. But I don't know what like a chick in marketing who makes 120 grand a year. I don't know what future she thinks she can have with a guy like me. If I'm at where I'm th- when I'm 38, where I'm at now. And then that makes me think about like, what do I do? Is it time to pivot? Is it time to pivot away and be a normal adult? Do I go to law school? Not because I want to, not because I don't want to do this show, not because I don't want to do comedy. But is it, is it not viable having some sense of stability in my life? Is it time to add something else, another project professionally? Do I, do I start thinking of the show as a project again that I'm doing and not as a living? I, I don't know, to be honest. At some point, I have to let the money that comes in from the listeners and the public social engagement from the listeners, I have to let that kind of dictate it a little bit. In terms of like uh, allocating resources and time and attention, you know, like engagement actually is higher than it's ever been. The champagne room, our Discord server, 
that's been that's been popping off. It's been exploding this year. We have almost 800 members in the Champagne Room, and we have conversations going all the time in the Champagne Room. It's awesome. We have people becoming Patreon members who are their Discord members. They don't even listen to the podcast. But they want to. They want that orange flair. They want to join us for hot movie night. Like they want in. Uh, the peep show feels revitalized. So uh, the, the engagement among the fan horror community is is higher than it's ever been. Um, but Patreon membership, it, it's not what it was in March 2020. You know, um, I've been rebuilding to this point, but I'm still only at uh, 75% of what I was March April 2020. Um, and it's taken me a while to get back up to this. And I'm just not sure how to market. <laughs> I'm not sure how to market this because I think I'm giving everybody what they would want out of a Patreon experience. I just, if you still haven't given me two bucks, I don't know what I'm going to do that's going to change that. So 10 year anniversary. I don't know yet. I just know I'm thinking. Got a few more questions left. A newer listener asks, if time, space, money were no object, what would your ideal Manhor Con look like? Woo! So if we do a Manhor Con in 2024, which I feel will more likely happen than not, there seems to be the demand. But if, yeah, if money were no object, time, space, gosh, uh, I would have a huge loft like multi-bedroom apartment space. I'd have some sort of like duplex multi-bedroom joint in Manhattan at my disposal. And if money were no object, we would have the most killer swag bags with um, the, the all the stickers and and I'd a free vibrator for everybody. And, you know, we'd have, um, I'd have a surprise big time headliner at the comedy show. And I'd have all my favorite exes on the podcast again, like we used to do the live shows and I'd have, you know, we'd have Shay, you know, gosh, if I could get Shay and Paige and Miss Giggles and then like one really, and, and L, I think that'd be a killer lineup. Uh, if I could get all of them on board and we were all on stage at the same time, I'd do that. Um, we'd line it up so that like man Con was the same weekend night as like a Hacienda. So I could bring a man Con to Hacienda and I could afford to like get everyone's like uh, admissions comped and maybe like, uh, you know, if I, I don't know. I'd, I'd go big. There'd be rented vehicles involved. Uh, there'd be big spaces uh, at our disposal. There'd be an orgy and I'd be less afraid of having an official orgy at Manhor Con. And I'd have uh, some, some killer, some killer live shows. Oh, and help. I would have like, act that's the main thing. If, if the first thing I would do, if I had like money at my disposal for Manhor Con would be, I would have hired help for the whole weekend. I'd have people who are like helping me execute man. I'd have like three different people whose jobs were to just like make man Horcon happen with me. Cause that, those of you who, who attend know it's usually me or like me and another person who are kind of making it happen. It's uh, it could be stressful for a whore and steak. I think there'd be steak somewhere involved in that. There's not enough steak for Billy at man Horcon. steak needs to be involved. All right. To close it out, uh, I've got some like, very end of yeary questions from uh, one very sexy listener slash anonymous former guest. What were your personal and professional highlights of 2023? 
Uh, let's see if I can power through this. The Naked Comedy Show, obviously. I think one of the most successful things I've created um, this year was the Naked Comedy Show and keeping it strong, selling it out. I mean, gosh, we, we were in the New York. I'm staring at the framed New York Times article right now. So cool, so surreal. Uh, we The Naked Comedy Show was an answer on the podcast game show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yeah, we did good. Uh, and as like a side note to that, Impact, the kinky comedy show I did in August, hoping to bring it back in 2024, uh, that that was a sold-out success. I thought we'd do Man Horcon people plus another you know, 15 to 25. We sold it out. We had to find extra chairs. Every, everybody at Starbar wanted to pay to come watch a dominatrix on stage during a comedy show. Uh, Man Horcon was wonderful. One of our more successful Man Horcons. I think we, I think I said it's my second most successful Man Horcon. Uh, we, we Jack came all the way out from France, and we we went to Gunnison Beach and just had a a great great time. The least orgiistic of the Man Horcons, and yet a wonderful Man Horcon. Uh, Mashable, I. You know, this was a year of me being a freelance writer in a way. I I wrote a lot of pieces for Mashable. A lot of them I'm very proud of. Uh, one of which did not get published, but you know, I wrote a very viral uh, a beginner's guide to play parties. I wrote about edging. I wrote about adult content and OnlyFans and just yeah, I I, I did a, a sex toy review piece. I put things in my butt for money and wrote about it. I had um. I, I, and I'm, I'm looking to do a lot more of that in the new year. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. It's, it's been cool to have something that I could occasionally share with like my mother or in the big family group chat. Here's an article. And I swear it's very safe. My dick's not in it at all. I promise. In the same light, you know, I met Jason Alexander when I went out to Los Angeles. I did his podcast, Really No Really. Uh, it was nice to take a selfie with someone I worked with who my family knows who that is i put out some great episodes this year like l l may be some of my best emotional work on this podcast in 10 years i will forward people the l episode from a few weeks ago for some time i i'm i sent it to my sisters and said look i know you don't listen but i think you can listen to this and i'd, I'd love if you would and of course obviously professional highlight of 2023 Episode 500, I put out my 500th man whore podcast. I ate out five women I've never hooked up with and apparently did a pretty good job. One of one of my best works. What am I looking forward to in 2024? Um, I'm looking to start another clothed comedy show. I'd love to do a, a clothed one that it's a lot easier to book funny people on a clothed comedy show. I got to tell you um, the 10 year anniversary. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm very excited to just to celebrate. That's a, you know, it's not often you get to say you did one thing for 10 years. It's not, it doesn't come often. And I don't know the next time I will get to celebrate 10 years of doing something consistently. So that's going to be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to Aaron Rodgers actually playing for the New York Jets. And um, not to be all sentimental, but I'm looking forward to holding hands with someone who makes my heart melt. Not going to be searching and scouring and seeking it out. All I can do is 
be ready to receive it when it passes me by and work on myself in ways that will attract someone who wants to make me melt. And lastly, lastly, what goals have I set for myself in 2024? I guess that's a little different from what am I hoping for, looking forward to, where goals, I, uh, goals, keep the Naked Comedy Show a huge success in its second year. We sold out 13 of our 20 shows, uh, and I hope to sell out even more. Uh, get, get to a thousand members in the champagne room. Our super free, super fun, super sex positive Discord server. You're missing out on a lot of fun. We have a lot. Of, it's it's a sex positive server. You don't have to listen to the podcast to enjoy being in that space. So you know, generally, sex positive server. But we also have all these channels that you know talk about cannabis and wellness and sports and movies. Uh, yes, and sex toy recommendations. Uh, and there is even a channel to discuss episodes of this podcast. If you are a true whorehead, you can talk about this week's show in the episode discussion channel at manwhorepod.com slash discord or click the link in the notes. Yeah, I would love to get to a thousand members in the champagne room uh, by the 10-year anniversary. to be honest, April. I would love to get to a thousand members. We're at just shy of 800. Uh, big goal, of course, make more money. I know I've said what I've said, but I, I did technically make more money this year as an indie creator than I have any year since quitting my day job. Granted, like a third of that comes from the Naked Comedy Show, but I'd like to make more money uh, and not because income is a game where you try to get the high score. I want to make more money because I'm about to be 35 years old for fuck's sake. I'd like to make enough money that like I make the minimum requirement to apply for what they call affordable housing in New York City. Most of those places require you to make like at least 70 or 80K a year. Like if you make $110,000 a year, you can apply for something called affordable housing. It's insane. I can't even apply for affordable housing. I'd like to make that much money at least. But hey, if just half of you listening, right? If you are listening to this, if half of your body, preferably the part of your body with hands, because I think it would be easier, if half of you listening pledge just two dollars a month on patreon hey, a whore can dream right like i don't know i a goal for me can we get to 500 patrons by the 10-year anniversary in mid-april i don't know we're at 150 or 149 right now of the seven to ten thousand of you who listen each month i'd love to get 500 patrons by april 16th maybe you'll click the link in the notes and make that happen maybe you won't i hope you enjoy the show either way um apparently me and some family members are running a marathon next october or november i don't know if it's actually going to happen but i told them like you send me what we're doing and you don't quit i won't quit if i ran a marathon i could just beat like some skinny people i'd be pretty happy about it spite is a very thinning color on me hey um, another goal is creating something new because I think it's time. I think this show is awesome, but I also think it has allowed me to find some comfort and some safety in not taking risks. And I'd like to take some risks. Maybe that haiku book finally comes out. It's not that I have intentions to end the podcast anytime soon. If people still want it, I just think it's time to show what else I can offer. I, I contain multitudes and that's not just an allusion to jizz. 
I got some ideas. And, you know, my main, I think a a really big personal goal for 2024 is to honor my body and its desires, even if it doesn't desire all the sex that life has to offer me, because it's okay to not be a total whore all the time. But it's also totally okay to be a whore, like just in case my body is listening, like, hey, if you want to turn that back on anytime soon, that's very okay with me, but I am going to listen to you and honor you as a sexual being shout out to the patreon members who offered up great questions for this week's episode freya chuck nathan tracy mary beth amanda and a busty babe who goes by just like magic links to everything you could need are in the show notes of this episode and every episode including my upcoming stand-up comedy dates Naked Comedy Show's coming back January 26th. I think my next date coming up is January 5th at Pinebox Rock Shop. And you will very soon be able to see all of that at a very newly done manwhorepod.com. Uh, oh, and I don't really want to explain why, but I am contractually obligated to say Chuck knows more than me about football. I am blinking twice. Happy New Year, everyone. Stay slutty. If, like, your body wants you to. (laughs) 